birth control, giveaways, and t-shirts. What do these three things have in common? Well, they're all up next on The Catholic Hack. Stick around. Let's talk about it. Houston, we have a problem. Habemos papan. Podcasting from a parking lot in the Woodlands, Texas, it's The Catholic Hack with Joe McClain. Take this, all of you, and eat it. This is my body, which will be given up for you. 1 Peter 3.15 Always be ready to give an explanation to anyone who asks you for a reason for your hope. Take this, all of you, and drink from it. This is the cup of my blood, the blood of the new and everlasting covenant. It will be shed for you and for all, so that sins may be forgiven. The Church of the Living God, the pillar and foundation of truth. 1 Timothy 3.15 Do this in memory of Welcome back to The Catholic Hack. I'm Joe McLean, and this is episode number 70. And Today, we're going to welcome back to the show a returning guest, Victor Claveau. Victor's here to share with us a new project that he's got out, among the many that he's working on all the time, it seems, about birth control. We're going to dive deep into that subject next. We're also going to talk about the giveaway that we that we set off in motion on episode number 69 with Mickey Addison. Got a lot of great feedback, and I cannot wait to share that with you, as well as give away the faith database and some Catholic hack t-shirts. So why don't we begin this episode with a prayer, as we always do. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. Grace to you, and peace. Lord our God, we come before you and seek your holy mercy. I pray and beg your forgiveness. I ask that you wash over me with your love and grace that I might feel your very presence in my life. I pray that for all who listen to this podcast, that they feel you in their life. Right now, your holy presence. Let their whole spirit be filled with great joy, the love of Christ in their hearts. Teach us to be merciful and kind and charitable and loving loving enough to be courageous for Christ to share the truth despite any and all opposition. Father, we live in perilous times, so I beg of you, give us what we need to become saints on earth. Teach us today to proclaim the gospel in all that we do with all who surround us, whether they are loved ones or enemies, that we have the courage to say the truth, and to act the truth out in our lives. Help us to be courageous. I also pray for those who are suffering so much that they embrace their cross with great, great humility. To teach us that don't have such crosses to bear the love of Christ on earth. God, I pray that you strengthen these people. I pray for all those who struggle through conversion. Family, friends, neighbors. We all know somebody who desperately needs conversion, so I pray for them, the grace that they need. I pray for seminarians who strive to answer your call in their life. May you fill them full of the Holy Spirit 
strengthen them in their resolve to do your will on this earth. And I pray that you call more, call more to the vocations of the priesthood, the diaconate, the religious life. Call more to be prayer warriors and live their lives fully and completely for you. I pray this. I seek your holy grace, your blessing upon each and every one who listens to this show. May your love reign in our hearts. May God have mercy. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Well, how about we break some bread with Dr. Scott Hahn once again. In an election season, it's good to remember that the Lord is king over all the earth, no matter who wins or loses at the polls. History will reveal God's power, justice, and his providential love for his people. And all who do rule will be judged by him. Find out more next on Breaking the Bread. The Lord is king over all the earth as we sing in this Sunday's responsorial psalm. Governments rise and fall by his permission with no authority but that given from above. In effect, God says to every ruler what he tells King Cyrus in this Sunday's first reading. I have called you, though you knew me not. The Lord raised up Cyrus to restore Israel from exile and to rebuild Jerusalem. Throughout salvation history, God uses foreign rulers for the sake of his chosen people. Pharaoh's heart was hardened in Egypt to reveal God's power. Invading armies were used to punish Israel for its sins. The Roman occupation during Jesus' time was, in a similar way, a judgment on Israel's infidelity. Jesus' famous words in this Sunday's gospel, repay to Caesar, are a pointed reminder of this, and they call us, too, to keep our allegiances straight. The Lord alone is our king. His kingdom is not of this world, but it begins here in his church, which tells of his glory among all the nations. We are citizens of heaven, and we are called to be a light to the world, working in faith, laboring in love, and enduring in hope, as this Sunday's epistle counsels. We owe the government a concern for the common good and obedience to laws, unless they conflict with God's commandments as interpreted by the church. But we owe God everything. The coin bears Caesar's image, but we bear God's own image. We owe him our very lives, all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength offered as a living sacrifice of love. We should pray for our leaders that like Cyrus, they'll do God's will until from the rising of the sun to its setting, All humankind knows that Jesus is the Lord. This is Scott Hahn for Breaking the Bread. Breaking the Bread is a production of the St. Paul Center for Biblical Theology. If you'd like to receive written copies of Dr. Hahn's reflections on the Sunday Mass readings, you can contact us by email at staff at salvationhistory.com or call us at 740-264-9535. That's 740-264-9535.
Well, today we've got a great topic for you to listen to and enjoy. It's one of those hot button topics, ones that too many of us just don't want to talk about when we get into those circles at work or, you know, around the water cooler or at the grocery store or any other place. We just try to avoid these kind of conversations. But I feel, you know, (laughs) you need to rush headlong into the wind, so to speak. You know, you have to dive deep into these topics so that we can proclaim the beauty of Catholic teaching to those around us. And too often those are Catholics around us that we really need to talk about this kind of material. So to do just that, I've brought back Victor Claveau, because Victor has written a little booklet about this very topic on birth control and abortifacients and things like this. There's a lot of information I think you really, really need to hear. And with the elections coming up so quickly here in the USA... It's really important that we equip ourselves with a proper knowledge on topics just like this. So, without any further ado, let's roll up our sleeves and let's dive deep and get into the truth about birth control. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! This fool when I sit, even just a little bit, I get hit with the power that made the veil in the temple split. When I submit, fall on the floor and the door. Welcome back to the Catholic Hack. I'm Joe McLean, and today, for the second time, Victor Claveau is a guest on our program. Victor is eminently qualified to write and speak on a wide variety of subjects relating to the Catholic religion, as as he has been a full-time evangelist and director of the Evangelization Station since 1989. He is also the founder and past president of the Pope John Paul II Society of Evangelists and School of Evangelization. He is the author of Bible Sabotage, Scripture Through History, The 7% Solution, A Guide to Evangelization at the Parish, Community, or Diocesan Level, The Lord Has Done Great Things, Audiobook, and Editor, Author of Welcome Home, Stories of Fallen Away Catholics Who Come Back. His articles have been published in Lay Witness, Columbia, Milis Jesu, Christian Order, and This Rock Magazines. He is a member of Milis Jesu, the Soldiers of Jesus. Victor also has graduate degrees in management and human behavior. He has been a longtime member of the Fellowship of Catholic Scholars. Victor has lectured on Catholic doctrine, apologetics, evangelization, both nationally and internationally. He loves the Church and has been gifted with the ability to take difficult theological concepts and make them easily understandable to the average layperson. He delivers the Catholic Church's teaching with common sense, wit, and wisdom. Victor, welcome back. Well, thank you for having me, Joe. It's a real pleasure to be uh, be with you today. Well, you have uh, you have put out a, a recent book that's, uh, that's gotten some pretty good excitement in Catholic circles these days. Can we talk about that? Yeah, actually, it's a, a, not a book. You could say it's a mini-book or a booklet, and the title of it is called Birth Control and Abortifacients. 
And I was asked by a good friend of mine by the name of uh, Bud McFarland Sr., and he's an author and speaker on culture of life issues for many, many years. And he sent me a pamphlet about the subject, a little, actually, it was a little trifold booklet, and said, you know, Victor, you'd love to do research. Why don't you uh, take this and expand upon it and see what you can do, because we really, we really need it. And so that's what I did, and uh, I spent uh, quite some time, as a matter of fact, researching the subject of, of birth control and abortifacients and the, the negative effects of birth control pills and so forth. And while I was doing it, I sent it to some of the leading um, pro-life advocates in the country, and I said, you know, tell me what you think. Uh, offer suggestions. How can I make this better and so forth? And uh, so when it was finally done, I sent it to a number of people and received some uh, um, outstanding um, recommendations or reviews of it, uh, which were quite surprising to me. I, I, I didn't really expect to have that kind of a, a response. Uh, for, for instance, um, Father Peter Stravinskis, who was the editor of the Catholic Response magazine, and he wrote, uh, and I quote now, Victor Clavaux has provided a valuable tool to bring understanding and acceptance of the Church's view on artificial contraception amassing data in a most comprehensive manner from the fields of psychology, theology, philosophy, sociology, and medicine, a genuine tour de force that should be required reading in all marriage preparation courses as well as in classes of moral theology in Catholic high schools and colleges. So I, I thought that was outstanding. And then uh, Rand, Randall Terry, the founder of Operation Rescue, uh, was very enthusiastic. He said, your writing work could uh, change the course of the debate. It could ignite the powerful, i.e. bishops and priests, by its force. I do not know of a time when I read something so forceful and clear about birth control. Wow. And then I'll read one more. Um, Brian Close, he's the director of research, uh, Dr. Close, uh, for Human Life International, and he said, Victor Claveau has managed to fit a gold mine of relevant information on Catholic sexual morality into this small book. I heartily recommend it. So these are, and there were other recommendations, but I was quite surprised and quite pleased that uh, the book uh, booklet had received such uh, reviews. Wow, that's uh, those are pretty uh, pretty great reviews from some key players in this debate. I would say, uh, especially you know mm -hmm. Father Stravinskis, he is no, he's no small time in this matter. So that's that's excellent. Congratulations <laughs> on that. Um, well, now, thank you. I'm looking at your table of contents right now, which you can find on evangelizationstation.com. I will post a link on my blog. You've got quite a bit of material covered in, in what you call a mini-book. So let's get started. Give us give us the 30,000-foot the view of this book, and then let's drill into some more specific topics. Okay, well, first of all, I'll go over the table of contents. But the first is it talks about birth control pills and how they work and the abortifacient nature of the pill, and it goes in quite extensively to some of the health hazards of the pill. Most women who are on the pill have little or no idea how dangerous these, these pills are. Most husbands or, you know, men who, who have, you could call it partners or whatever, who, who are on uh, birth control pills, I sincerely believe if they understood the dangers inherent in these uh, in using these pills would not approve or uh, support their spouse's use of these uh, of these dangerous pills. So um, we also go into then uh, the condom and talk about the uh, 
the failure rate of condoms and uh, STDs or sexually transmitted disease and the intrauterine device and then the dangers of uh, the shot uh, and which is uh, and norplant and uh, birth defects. One of the things that I uh, was suggested to me is that I did a little research on the, uh, on birth defects and the, the um, correlation, if you will, with uh, birth control pills. And I found some very startling information, especially long-term effects, and how many birth defects, uh, many birth control pills actually cause uh, uh, birth defects. And the federal government has known about this for years. And we don't have, uh, we have, the average person has very little idea. To give you an example, I was giving a series of lectures on, uh, on Catholicism in a local Catholic church here in Southern California. And one of the, uh, one of the programs, uh, or the lectures, if you will, was on moral theology. And I talked about birth control pills and the church's teaching in this regard and why the church is so adamantly opposed to artificial contraception. And a doctor who was a um, family health spe- specialist for a very large, uh, well-known hospital stood up at the end of my presentation and said, uh, and, he, and he contested what I said. He said, you know, I've been a doctor for 19 years. I'm head of the family uh, clinic in this hospital. And he went on and on and on about his qualifications. And he said, you know, I've never heard any of this stuff. <laughs> well, and um Wow. Yeah, you know, I just kind of, I didn't back down. I just said, well, Doc, you need to do your homework. (laughs) And uh, during the following week, he went to the UC Irvine here, University of California Irvine Center, and they have a fertility center there. And he spent an entire day there researching it and talked to doctors and, you know, going through the library and all, et cetera. And then finally the following week he came back and said, um, he stood up in front of the class and he said, uh, you know, I want you to know that I was wrong and I apologize. And he said, it just blew my mind what I found out. And, wow. and to, to be able to admit to you how ignorant I've been in this area. And so a lot of doctors, uh, it seems to me that, you know, when you watch television and you see advertisements for certain drugs, they all, you know, they give you the, what they call the contraindications. They'll say, well, you know, you could have a stroke or you could die of a heart attack, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, I believe that doctors have a ethical, moral obligation to inform patients that when they're prescribing drugs that could be dangerous to them, that they tell them. And yet most doctors don't do that. Now, they, for a number of reasons. One, they a lot of them just think that the average layperson um, is just not bright enough to understand. Uh, two, well, if I tell them about this, and then they'll argue with me about it. But this particular doctor ended up, after doing the research, I gave him a, a book called uh, Sex and the Marriage Covenant by uh, John Kipley, who was the founder of the Couple to Couple League and now heads uh, NFP International. And he read that book, and it just astonished him, and it changed his life. And he began, he became a member of Physicians for Life, and he began to counsel women about the um, adverse effects of birth control pills and the abortifacient nature. And he said the vast majority of women, once they had this information, refused birth control pills and said, well, you know, what else is available? And he said invariably when he talked to couples, when he talked to a husband and a wife together, he said not once did a husband agree to, you know, said, okay, it's fine, honey, go ahead. You know, they were absolutely adamant that their wives would not be on these birth control pills. And 
and then he began to recommend natural family planning, which you know which works and it's it's far obviously it's 100 percent safe and doesn't cause any of these uh, these dangerous uh, there are no dangerous adverse effects to natural family planning that's mm. for sure. Well, can we so, can anyway? We, can we just clarify some of the, um, the 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 points here? So, besides birth defects, there is a definite link between birth control and birth defects, which would you say has gone unnoticed in in our society, or at least not talked about, not really studied too well? I mean, what are some of the other adverse effects to birth control? Well, when we talk about birth defects, one of the things that surprised me was how little information is available about this. Now, the um, the uh, March of Dimes, which is you know one of the leading fighters against birth defects, says that, uh, roughly speaking, that um, one out of every 33 babies in America are born with birth defects, a million and a half a year. Um, this is significant. And... The, they also state that uh, approximately 70% of birth defects are of unknown origin. So it seems to me that there needs to be some um, research done here. There are, different, there are as many as 4,000 different birth defects that have been classified. Some of them are minor. Some of them can be corrected with surgery, and et cetera. But some of them are really, you know, really far out there, really terrible terrible uh, birth defects. And the Food and Drug Administration began to classify drugs in 1975, the drugs dealing with pregnancy, as to their um, conditions of use. So they had category A, B, C, D, and X. Now category A, where they had uh, controlled studies, showed no risk to either the mother or the baby. And then category B drugs showed that there was no risk of, uh, no evidence of risk in humans. Category C said, well, risk cannot be ruled out. Category D was positive evidence of risk. And then category X were drugs that were contraindicated in pregnancy. Now, category drugs and uh, category D includes drugs which studies in human um, have demonstrated fetal risk. The, they, they also, in other words, many of the drugs that are involved in birth control pills are in category D. And most drug manufacturers do not admit that. Some do. Like, for instance, there's a, um, a drug that's now advertised that used to be called Yasmin, and now it's called Yaz, Y-A-Z. Mm. And it has commercials on television where you have these uh, lovely women sitting around, and one of them is a doctor, and they're talking about Yaz, and Yaz was used to treat acne, severe acne. And yet, uh, Yaz indicates uh, that their product is known to cause birth defects. So another another thing about it is that we don't know about the long-term effects of birth control pills. For instance, when from 1938 to 1975, there was a drug called DES, or uh, diethylstabesterol, and that drug is now called the worst disaster in U.S. medical history. Ten million Americans were exposed to DES, and hundreds of thousands were exposed all over the world. Now, this drug was used to, um, 
I remember when I was a youngster in high school, and we were, I was with the Future Farmers of America, believe it or not, and I was raising some cattle, and uh, this drug was used um, as a um, stimulant, a growth stimulant in cattle. Oh, wow. But it was also widely prescribed for women. Um, millions of women year uh, worldwide took this to um, prevent miscarriage. And yet, what's happened now after this, 20 years later, 20 years later, there is an extremely high incidence of cancer among the children of women who were given DES. Wow. So, it, it, oh yeah, I mean, there's, it literally, DES was dubbed the time bomb in new, newspaper uh, headlines throughout the U.S. in 1970. It's just the, the 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 massive problems that were uh, that came with this, the health problems, and yet again, these are the studies. Uh, daughters of these women have higher rates of vaginal and cervical cancer, a greater incidence of reproductive problems, uh, infertility, ectopic pregnancy, miscarriage, premature delivery, and that's because their mothers, 20 years or so ago, took this this drug. So there's still a lot of problems with the drugs that women are taking. The birth control pill itself causes approximately 150 different chemical changes in a woman's body, and not one of them is beneficial. Wow. So there are all kinds of serious problems relating to, to the use of birth control pills. And I think that when people understand... Most, most women, especially Catholic women, would say that they're pro-life, and yet many of them disregard the Church's teaching. It's estimated that 9 out of 10 women in this country um, who are at risk of unintended pregnant, pregnancy and so forth are using a contraceptive in some way or another. And In other words, Catholic women as well as Protestant women. Now, one of the things that, that Dr. Close wrote, and he, he did a, a booklet, a, a book rather, called The Facts of Life, An Authoritative Guide to Life and Family Issues. And he talked about the, how a large number of women identify themselves as pro-life, but yet birth, use birth control pills. And I want to quote from his book. He said, this means that pro-life women who are using an oral contraceptive or some other means of abortifacient birth control are committing abortions themselves on a frequent basis. These abortions are silent and unseen, but they are no less abortions in the eyes of God than are the gruesome third trimester D, uh, DNX or partial birth abortions. There are many pro-lifers who are using these pills and who are involved in their promotion and distribution. These people must consider whether they can in good conscience criticize women whose action differs from their own only in that they have to drive to a clinic, and he's talking about a, a an abortion mill, mm. to commit it. So when a woman is on the birth control pill, they have what they call a breakthrough rate. And the breakthrough rate is the actual failure rate of a birth control pill to do what? To prevent ovulation. Now, birth control pill is essentially, and I'm simplifying everything, but birth control pill is designed to do three things. First is to prevent ovulation, prevent the egg from being released. The birth control pill tries to convince the body uh, through the hormones that the body is already pregnant. So if a body is already pregnant, then it wouldn't produce a pill, or, or rather an egg, an embryo, or an egg. 
But then if an egg is produced, it tries to make the uh, cervical mucus thicker so that it makes it more difficult for the sperm to reach the egg. And finally, if fertilization takes place and we have what they call a zygote, or I like to call it a baby here, uh, it makes the endometrium, the inner lining of the woman's uterus, uh, hostile. And it it makes it uh, very thin so that the baby cannot implant in the uterine wall to receive nourishment. So this is basically how a, a, a pill is supposed to work. Well, the birth control pill fails anywhere from 40 to 50% of the time to prevent ovulation. So what it really amounts to is that uh, a woman who is on uh, birth control pills can actually get pregnant and have an abortion any, anywhere from three to four times, as many as four times a year. Wow. In other words, quarterly. So the average woman who's on birth control pill probably has no idea and, and maybe totally pro-life, but yet are, are aborting their children on a quarterly basis. This is horrifying when people find out about this. Catholic Hack News and Views. Where are you now? I'm sitting in my office. I doubt that. Why would you doubt that? If you were in your office right now, we'd be having this conversation face-to-face. Well, stay tuned next episode for the conclusion of the interview with Victor Claveau on this information that probably many of you are just now hearing for the first time. It's actually quite disturbing. I understand. But it's also very important that we tackle these conversations, that we listen intently and educate ourselves, and then share that knowledge with everyone around us. It's so critical that we wait, that we do not wait for when we stand before Jesus in judgment, let's not wait that long. Well, as many of you know, I work for Fullness of Truth. We're a Catholic evangelization ministry based here in Houston, Texas. And we happen to have a conference coming up November 15th and 16th at the Humble Civic Center. Now, this is going to be a pretty good lineup. We've got Father Mitch Pacwa from EWTN and Ignatius Productions. We've got Johnette Binkovic, also from EWTN, and Living Life Abundantly. We've got Father Stan Fortuna. Now, here's some good news. I interviewed Father Stan Fortuna on the phone tonight, so I should be putting that out here in the next couple of weeks, hopefully. Lord willing, pray for me. But it was a great conversation. That is one very, very busy guy. You need to pray for him. He is on the go all the time. But So he's coming. He's going to put on a very special youth concert on Saturday night for us. We're also going to bring in a band called The Glory Estate from Corpus Christi, Texas, whom we've used in other conferences. So it's going to be a great time. We've also got Michael Coombe. Now, Michael Coombe uh, should be a guest on this show at some point. He is a convert to the church, and he's got a pretty, he's got a pretty entertaining and, and interesting background. His conversion process is it's quite unique. But he's coming to the Fullness of Con- uh, Truth Conference. We've also got Radix with Doug Berry, who is now the, the co-host of Life on the Rock with uh, and Eric Jenis, which also makes up Radix. So we've got a, a very full lineup and a very exciting time, and we're very much looking forward to that. That's November 15th and 16th at the Humble Civic Center. For more information, please log on to our website at www.fullnessoftruth.org. And uh, do me a favor... Tell all your friends. Send it to everybody. Help me out. Help me keep my job. I would really appreciate that. 
Well, I think it's time to give away a faith database and some Catholic Hack t-shirts. Why don't we kick off some feedback? I can't wait. Feedback in five, four, three, two, one. Cue feedback. Joe, um, kudos on the Catholic hack. I'm calling in regard to the posted contest about Mary's Immaculate Conception. <clears throat> Some uh, ideas I have on that is, uh, starting with Genesis 3, God says he will put enmity between the woman and the serpent. And if the woman has is an enemy of Satan, obviously she was never under his power, so she wouldn't have sinned that way. Also in Luke 1, Gabriel addresses her as full of grace, grace being the power or life of God living in her. If she's full of grace, there's no room for sin. The typology between Mary and the Ark of the Covenant from uh, Exodus, where the Ark was uh, designed specifically the God specifications, and no one unworthy could go near it, and how, I forget his name, but uh, one guy was struck dead when he touched it. So, again, relating Mary to the Ark could also convey that power to her. Okay, goodbye again. Congratulations, Chef. Good job. You're the winner. You're the first caller. The contest was to call in and be the first caller who can give a defense for the Immaculate Conception of Our Blessed Lady, and you did just that. One of the points that I I really like that you started off with is one that we don't hear used all that often. And we hear Luke 128 a lot, but the Genesis reference about there being, you know, enmity between the woman and the serpent. It makes sense, doesn't it? How can Mary have any sin whatsoever if there was enmity between her and the serpent? I mean, that was declared by God, not you or me or any pope in the church. It's declared by God that there would be enmity between those two. And therefore, it makes good sense. She must have been born without sin. But you know what? There was a lot more people who called in on this topic. So let's hear what everybody else had to say. Hey, Joe, this is uh, Dennis. I am a seminarian with the Diocese of Worcester, uh, currently going to St. John's Seminary, and I got an answer to, uh, to your question. You asked about uh, where in Scripture to meet Catholics defend Mary's Immaculate Conception. Uh, now, the main one is in Luke uh, verse one or chapter 1, verse 28, uh, when the angel Gabriel uh, greets Mary and says, Hail, full of grace. And we take that, that meaning full of grace uh, to be... Uh, I guess an illustration that uh, Mary uh, was immaculate con- immaculately conceived. So, hope that answers the question. Um, and thanks for your podcast. God bless. Hi, Joe. This is Christian Krupsha of uh, Kingston, Pennsylvania. And I really enjoyed uh, episode 69. I'm glad to hear that uh, you're back podcasting. The, uh, as a man, I get a lot of moral support from your podcast and helping me to march on cavalry, as you say, in my daily and public witness of the faith. So I'm uh, really glad to, uh, that you uh, survived the hurricanes and uh, back podcasting. I hope that I, I suspect I'm not the first in responding to your question on the perpetual virginity of Mary, but the most concise biblical support is uh, Matthew 1, 24 and 25, which says, 
When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had borne a son, and he called his name Jesus. The, uh, the use of the until, of course, doesn't imply that the situation changed after the birth of our Lord, but it's just used to imply that the birth of Jesus was a virgin birth. Anyway, I hope I'm old, and uh, if I get a shirt, I promise to send you a photo with me wearing it uh, somewhere out here in, in Pennsylvania. Thanks very much, and uh, uh, hope to catch some more of your podcast. Thanks, Joe. Take care. Hey, Joe. Uh, I didn't call you last night because I had a proposal to get finished up, but okay. Defending um, Mary's Immaculate Conception from Scripture. I think, Luke, what is it, one... Luke one twenty eight somewhere in there, you know, hail full of grace. I think that's the only thing that you can find on that. And let's look at the catechism here. Yeah, paragraph four ninety in the catechism. <clears throat> I think that's the only scripture, and that it was just a matter of uh, time before we came to understand the that whole concept. So that's all I got. Anyways, glad to see you're back in business. It's only been what six eight weeks since the last one. Let me set my calendar for the next, for TCA 70. Talk to you soon, buddy. Bye. Hi, Joe. This is Chris from Connecticut. And I was calling in response to you wanting to know where the Immaculate Conception can be found in the Bible. If I remember correctly, and I'm driving in my car so I don't have a Bible on me, but I believe it is in Luke. And it is where the angel comes to Mary and refers to her as Hail, Full of Grace. It's also translated as Hail, Exalted One, um, and uh, Hail, Highly Favored One, depending on biblical translation. But uh, we Catholics take Hail, Full of Grace, as Mother Angelica would say, Hail, Full of God, meaning without sin. No one else, to my knowledge, is referred of as Full of Grace in the Bible. So... When uh, Gabriel announces the, birth, uh, the future birth of our Lord and uh, the conception of our Lord, he is also referring. He also refers to Mary's immaculate conception. God bless and keep up the great work. Love your podcast. Bye. Hey, Joe McLean. This is Jason from Virginia, and uh, you've probably already got a winner. But I was just listening to the most recent podcast on the Catholic hack, and I'd like to give my answer. For Mary's Immaculate Conception, I think we point to Luke 1.28, and it's when the angel says, you're full of grace. Uh, The only way to be full of grace, it would be to be born without the stain of original sin. As an added bonus, I think that uh, is described nicely in Catechism in number 490 of the Catholic Catechism. Um, Thank you for all you do. I really enjoy the podcast. Um, Thank you. Bye. Hey, Joe, I was thinking about your uh, recent podcast again. You guys were talking about how, the, you know, it's old-timers got to get out there and show the young guys how to do stuff. And uh, It was a couple weekends ago my son had a football practice, so I went in there and I was telling these guys you got to do deads and squats. And so, you know, I'm 45. I go in there and <clears throat> have to show these young guys how to do some, pull some real weight. So loaded up the bar with three plates, you know, it's at 315, did a set of 20. So, blew them all away. Uh, yeah, you know, in everything we do, I think we got to set, you know, set the bar as high as we can. So, here's something to live up to. And, 
you know, help them achieve that. So that was pretty good. Talk to you later. Bye. Well, there you have it. Once again, congratulations, Chef. You did it. You did a great job. We're going to send you a copy of the Faith Database as well as your copy of the Catholic Hack T-shirt from the online Catholic Hack store, which you can check out off the blog at www.catholichack.com. You can actually see it all at joemcclain.com. That's J-O-E-M-C-C-L-A-N-E.com. You can actually see all in one place... The Catholic Hack blog, you can listen to every single one of the episodes right there. You can see the Catholic Hack bookstore. You can actually buy products right off the page, right there in one place, as well as the Catholic Hack t-shirt store and mug. So be sure to stop by and check that out too. You know, you guys really did a wonderful job. Everybody who sent in feedback, thank you so much for contributing. You did a really good job. And I, I, you know, I just want to reiterate a lot of what you were saying is so good and so medium and worth our pondering on, worth our diving deep on. We cannot underestimate that word there, that Greek word there in Luke's Gospel, chapter 1. Keikare tomene. Remember that word, keikare tomene. It's a very, very unique an important word. Why is it so unique? Why is it so important? That's the word we get the full of grace from. Now, that's used like a title, as in the President of the United States, the full of grace. And it also implies, it's unique because it implies not only is she full of grace, but she was full of grace, she is now full of grace, and she will always be full of grace. She is the full of grace. And so it's very, very critical that we talk about that. We talk about Genesis and the enmity between the woman and the serpent. We talk about the Ark of the Covenant and how pure and holy she is. And I always like to point us back to Genesis again, where we see the burning bush there. And Moses is told to take off his sandals because the dirt he stands on is holy. Well, how much more holy could the womb of our Blessed Lady be? How much more holy could she be if she bore Christ to the world? Theotokos, right? That's what I'm talking about. Once again, thank you all for contributing to that great contest giveaway. I really enjoyed getting all that feedback. That was some good stuff. You know, I haven't mentioned this in a couple of weeks, I think, but it's always been a goal of mine to take back iTunes from the church of what's happening now. What what do I mean by that? Well, if you go on to the iTunes store and you sort of search for the podcast and then you narrow it down to the religious podcast and then maybe you'll find your way over to those Christian podcasts, there you'll see a featured list. What are you going to see? You're going to see the church of what's happening now. You're going to see all of these Protestant flavors and all their Bible studies. Why? Because these people are doing it. And Catholics are just now starting to come around to utilizing these new technologies and really trying to share that fullness of truth. It's so important, in my opinion. It's so important that we do not allow that space to be taken over by the Church of What's Happening Now. 
Well, come on, Joe. Now, isn't that kind of rough? Isn't that sound a little harsh? I mean, don't they love Jesus? Well, of course they love Jesus. I am very happy that they have a passion for our Lord. But we have the fullness of truth, and we should be that much more on fire for God. And that's why we have to show uh, show that. We have to share that. We should be filling that featured list full of great Catholic content. Why? So we can share the fullness of truth. We should take advantage of their passion for our Lord and show them the way home. They have the menu, but now they need the meal. And so we need to come together and we need to fill that space full of beautiful Catholic podcasts to share the fullness of truth. And we can do that by voting, by leaving reviews on, on the podcasts that you see there, and important, more importantly, sharing these podcasts with everyone you know and getting them to subscribe through iTunes and leaving reviews. It's not just my podcast that I want to see up there, and although I do, you know, shameless self-promotion here, I do want to see myself grow in the standing so that I can gain new audience members and share the faith with more and more people. Absolutely. But I don't want to be the only one. I want to see more Catholics up there. I want to see us take this space for the glory of God. I, I just get so fed up seeing so many Church of What's Happening Now podcasts on that featured list. You know, these people, like, once again, they might have the passion for our Lord, but they lack in the fullness of the truth. And so we need to share that out of charity and humility, of course, but we still need to share it. So please, I implore you. Please, today, today, don't wait. Have you left a review on iTunes? For not just the Catholic hack, what about iPadre or the Catholic Underground? Or how about the Saint Cast or On the U or Catholic Moments or Hands and Feet or Theotokos Podcast? Theotokos Podcast is a wonderful podcast by Adam the Catholic. This is just a very humble guy striving to share the truth of our Catholic faith, defending its truth to those who might doubt. Wonderful podcast. Check it out. Leave a review on iTunes today. It's so vital and it's so important and it's an act of evangelization. All right? So do so today. Give me a call and leave me some feedback at 713-568-6277. That's 713-568-6277 or stop by the blog at www.catholichack.com where you can leave a review. You can catch me on Facebook or Twitter or Formarks or John 654 or send me an email like the old-fashioned way of catholichack at gmail.com. There's so many ways of reaching out and getting a hold of me. I want to remind each and every one of you that, you know what? Election is coming up here in the United States, and we have to be responsible in how we cast that vote. So I prayerfully ask you to consider the church's teaching on the issues of pro-life and how clearly it's taught us that we have a choice. We can, we can either vote with the church, pro-life, or we can vote against the church, and that's pro-death. And I'm going to be talking more about that coming up on the next episode because it is so critical. It's so important for us to realize what the church does teach on how we are to cast that vote and what we should consider, what is so important to us. And so not maybe not maybe you don't exactly agree with me, but you know what? My opinion is not the one that matters anyway. 
It's what the church says. So let's all be sons and daughters of Christ and his glorious church and dive deep into the church's teaching and figure out how we are to be responsible citizens and cast that vote in a moral, ethical way. And so we're going to talk more about that next time. Well, until then, I'm praying for you, and I'm going to ask you specifically to pray for me because my family is trying to get set up in our new home and, and sort of get things ironed out. We, we kind of need a second vehicle, so if you could pray about that, maybe God will provide the right kind of vehicle for us. But I also want you to pray for some very dear friends of ours and their daughter, Monique, who is being diagnosed with... with um, Lyme disease. So if you could pray for her and pray for my stepmother, Rachel, she has uh, contracted cancer. And so if you could pray for both of them, then may God's healing fall upon them and may his love embrace them and purify their bodies, their minds, and their souls, all for the glory of God. Until then, may he also give them the grace of also bearing their cross for the glory of God. Well, I'm praying for you, so please pray for me. May God richly bless you. God bless. SQPN, the best in Catholic podcasting.